This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host Kevin DeVries and as always if you'd like to reach us at the podcast you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. We are here finally with the transfer window review for of course the winter window 2020. Dave, an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, first why don't you tell the folks where they can get at you. Um, at the moment they can't. I, I was... I was suspended by Twitter and decided that I no longer wanted to partake in their game. So I took my ball and went home. (laughs) Um, But if anyone wants to talk to me, I'm on the Anfield Index Discord. Um, Anybody can sign up and join. There's a a link through the website. But you'll find all my stuff at AnfieldIndex.com and Anfield Index Pro. All right, well, we will just dive into it then. We're going to try to keep it short, but, you know, it's me and you, so we'll yeah, see how possible. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Um, so, again, recapping the winter window, um, just on the whole, not a lot of motion. As you'll see as we go throughout this, a lot of clubs didn't do anything. As you joked in the pre-show, maybe some clubs shouldn't have done anything. Do you feel like the clubs that could have progressed it enough in the window? No, I think there was a couple of clubs that had either real need or real opportunity and let it slip by. Um, I, I think a couple of them will regret it. Yeah, I definitely agree. But as I say, we'll, we'll get to that in due process. We'll start off with me and Arsenal because on this show, hilariously, I always wind up with Arsenal and you always wind up with Everton and Manchester United. Yes. But we will continue from there. So for Arsenal, for me, um, I've given them a D, which may seem harsh because at a distance... They needed to improve in defense, and they signed defenders. But neither do I think will improve the club. Cedric was already out of favor at Southampton, much as I liked him like two years ago. Um, I guess they don't have to roll out Maitland-Niles there when Bellerin is hurt, but I'm not really sure how much that's going to benefit them. Again, liked him a couple years back, but he never really developed into the player that I thought he would be, and he's already 28 now. Like I feel like some people might still think he's that like young Portuguese star that played for them at the Euros, he's up and coming. He's 28 now and just hasn't become what he was meant to. Similarly, Pablo Mari failed to live up to the potential he had at City. Um, let him go. Then he goes to Gymnastic. I'm sure that's not how you pronounce that. Um, but he's 26 now. Not really an air quotes prospect either. He does have the size you'd look for in a Premier League center back, which I guess is good for them. And Arsenal have really struggled at that position. Um, and they've had lots of injuries there. So... I guess as far as cover goes, it's good to bring somebody in like that. But I don't really think either of them solved their defensive woes, which is not a good look when you've just signed two defenders. Um, so they've addressed them in theory, but again, they haven't improved. Um, they haven't solved any of their midfield issues, some of which are just play Terrera deeper. Um, but anyway, for this window, they get a D from me. Yeah, it's a D from me as well. Um, they needed defenders desperately and they bought two who aren't as good as the bad ones that they already have 
like you say, Cedric, a couple of years ago, he looked like he could be a, you know, a player for a top club, but he hasn't progressed. He's had a loan spell away from Southampton, and Southampton have sent him out on loan when he's got six months left in his contract. Uh, oh no, they've paid five million from him. Am I correct on that? Have they paid five million? Yeah, for the loan. Um, for the, yeah, they've paid whatever it is. Basically, Southampton have just given him away though, um, with, with no intention of, of ever bringing him back. He he's a fine right back if you've got a good right back starting. Unfortunately, I don't think Arsenal have a good right back. Mari is bang average as a centre back. He doesn't improve them. Um, and which you know, given their centre backs include Mustafi, who's terrible. Luis, who's not ever been a defender, uh, Socrates, who's years past his best, um, and Callum Chambers, who again never developed. I, I just think it's it's really strange what they've done. The, the whole Arsenal thing is weird to me, Kev. I don't understand why they made the change with the manager if they weren't going to back the new manager big time in January. Why not run with Emery till the end of the season if that was going to be the case and, and keep your powder dry for a new manager in the summer? Um, so for me, it's a D and they really need to improve quite quickly or they're not just going to miss out on Champions League. Obviously, they're going to miss out on Europa League um, and that would be a, a source of huge embarrassment for a club of Arsenal stature. Yeah, still drifting nearer the bottom half than the actual race mm. for what is now top five, but that'll be addressed in the formal show on Sunday uh, that Jake is, of course, hosting as I'm covering this one. But Dave, we'll come to you now talking about Aston Villa. Tough loss to Tottenham as we record. Um, but what did you make of their window on the whole? So, yeah, um, you sound absolutely devastated at their defeat today, Kev. Um, oh, condolences we... all around. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, the big issue for Villa this season has been an inability to score goals. So they went out and they bought three centre-forts, um, which is is an odd... It's kind of the, the approach they took in the summer as well. They needed a centre-back, so they went and they bought three centre-backs or four centre four centre-backs in the summer. Um, you know, they needed a defensive midfielder, so they bought two of them. Needed a left winger, bought two of them. Um, so this is seems to be Villa's way. Uh, in, who, in terms of who they brought in, they brought in Borja Baston from Swansea. Mm. Um, a solid veteran player, but hasn't been a success at all at Swansea. And I don't see him moving the needle much for Villa. Uh, they brought Louis Barry back to England from Barcelona. I'm a big fan of this deal for the long term. I think he's right up there with the likes of Har- Harvey Elliott and Jude Bellingham as, as the best young players in England. Um, so to get him for less than a million, I believe Barca still owe West Brom like four million for him. So that's a great deal. Um, I think they'll reap the benefits of that long term. But Samad is, is the big get for them, 8.5 million for from sure. Genk. I like him. I think he's a bustly, intelligent player. He's got an incredible leap. He's got great spring in his heels. He's good in the air, good on the ground. He's quick. He caused Liverpool problems and not many players do that. I don't think he's ever going to be a 20-goal-a-season striker, but I think he can get you 10 to 12 in the Premier League over the course of the season. Now, whether that's enough, I don't know. They've obviously lost Wesley for probably the rest of the season. That's a huge blow to them. Um, I think, for me, I think it's a C. I think they address the issue. I just think maybe... Samata doesn't really profile as someone to lead the line by himself. And I think maybe if they got him and one other, 
Um, I know they looked at the likes of uh, Ali Giroud and stuff to bring him in. So I think the plan was Samata plus one. I think if they'd done that, I think they'd have been it would have been a solid B. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go with a C for them. But I, like I said, I do really like the Louis Barry one. And in, in in future, we may look back at this as an A because he may turn out to be really special. Yeah, I've gone with a B minus. Um, I totally see your point on doubling down on a position yet again. But I'm I'm giving them extra credit, just half a grade to be fair, but a little extra credit for filling their needs where you lose Heaton and you lose Wesley within a week of each other, if mm-hmm. memory serves, and you get replacements for both. You bring in Pepe Reina to cover his goalkeeper. Had a lot of saves today. Um, didn't might wind up uh, being able to get the win off the back of it. Saved a penalty as well, but some scored the rebound. But getting in a player like Pepe Reina, um, when you literally have no <laughs> genuine first-team goalkeepers um, after the loss of Heaton... Then it was you bring, a clever move. It was a very clever move. Bringing in drink water on a free... Um, well, there's where they lost points with me. Oh, really? Um, because I just... I. I don't understand the point of Danny Drinkwater in 2020. Um, if there was a club that was going to suit him, it was going to be Burnley. He couldn't break into their midfield. There were issues Villa, there, but true. There was, but I think Villa have a much stronger midfield group. Now, I know mm. they've got some injuries as well, but you know, I, I look at a group that contains Douglas Luiz, uh, Jack Grealish, Nakambe, Hurahan, yeah, I, I just I don't see a real need for a Danny Drinkwater. I'm I'm sure you could have gone and loaned in a younger player who maybe could have had an impact. I, I just don't see it with Drinkwater. For me, he's just a run of the mill bog standard player that you're now paying fifty grand a week to play for you till the end of the season. So yeah. I I would have left well enough alone. And look, it's great to see Reina back in the Premier League. I, I'm I'm not sure he's going to. Saved them. He's not as good as Tom Heaton at this point in time, but he's he's certainly better than the other options they had. Mm-hmm. So that it did make sense to address it. Certainly. And then also, we could bloviate about this for a really long time, but is anybody in the Premier League scouting Belgium as well as Aston Villa right now? No, probably not. Right? Like they're they're doing really well, and right now the Premier League is obviously very invested in France. Um, it's where a lot of bargain players are at the moment, like we talked in the summer, and Dombele for even $60 million mm-hmm. is still below what his value is. And you can name just a smattering of loads of other French players that are coming over. But for a long time, people have been like taking an eye at Belgium. Obviously, Tottenham were there as well with... Um, well, actually, a lot of the Belgian players didn't come from Belgium. They all came from the Netherlands, but because um, they were at Ajax. But Belgium is a very talented... The Jupiler League, very, very filled with talent. Um, and so mm. I think Aston Villa getting in on that pipeline early, um, if they had been able to get like Sander Berge to just kind of solidify their, if you're Belgian, you're coming to us, um, or at least if you played in the Belgian leagues. But on the whole, bringing in Samada, obviously Bjorn Engels had a terrible match today, but getting him over. Um, Wesley, I don't know if he's as good as people thought. He's probably not worth the fee, but also a very good player coming over from Belgium. I just think they're doing a really good job scouting that particular region at the moment. Yeah, and I think long term, I think Wesley and Samata will work well as a partnership. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're, I think we we talked about it in the summer they overspent on a whole bunch of players in the summer, um, but I think they've gotten value for what they've spent in this window, and I think yeah. that's that's a, a positive step, even if it doesn't keep them in the Premier League. It's a positive step for them as they continue to grow as a football club. Yeah, exactly. Um, so now we'll move on to Bournemouth. I've given them a D minus. Why isn't this an F, Kevin? You may ask. Um, it's because they didn't lose Josh King. 
They had an absolutely terrible window, but if they had lost Just King on top of it and not gotten a replacement in, that's what an F would have been, because there's no F minus. So it was slightly better than that. So D minus for me. Um, they've, they were in a decent run of form a couple of matches back. Now, not so much. Um, I think they've won three of their last ten, if memory serves, in the Premier League. Um, questions being asked about Howe's future, which seems absurd considering he was supposed to be the Tottenham manager, he was supposed to be England's manager. Um, I don't think he's air quotes that bad um, by any stretch. Uh, and I assumed that because they figured we have our manager, we do have talent within our squad, maybe just bolster ourselves a little bit in January to right the ship as long as they aren't cast off from Liverpool. But <laughs> then they did nothing. At, mm. at the time when I wrote my notes, which admittedly was last week because that's when we initially intended to record, they had 10 injured players. 10. And they signed no one. Admittedly, again, their team is air quotes too good to go down, but that is just not enough when you're in the relegation fight, in the throes of it. Maybe it's good they didn't panic by because there is talent, there are talented players that are going to come back into the side. They didn't lose King, so you don't need to replace that position. But this is a very bad window from Bournemouth. That's a D minus from me. Yeah, I, I, I give them a D. Look, they needed to do something. I think. It was really good that they were able to keep King and keep Nathan Aki um, because it looked at the start of the window like Aki would definitely be going. But it, it was it's good that they've managed to keep them. They've kept their core, kept their important players. They definitely have holes. I mean, they have both of their fullbacks are atrocious at this point. Um, Lloyd Kelly was supposed to be the answer at left back, but whether it's injuries or what, he just hasn't featured for them this year. But they're badly in need of a right back. They did nothing to address that. Um, I, I like what they've got in midfield. I think Lerma, Billing, um, Lewis Cook, these are good players. There's, there's a bit too much Dan Gosling in the team for my liking, but that's <laughs> neither here nor there. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, I think they could have done with bringing in a right back and then bringing in just one more attacking player who maybe could offer a little bit different. Something, somebody on loan, perhaps, um, that was looking to resurrect their career and maybe had a point to prove. Who yeah. that player is, I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure, but there's one. There was those guys out there that they could have gone for. Um, gone the reason it's not again. an F for me <laughs> is that they just didn't panic because in the last couple of Januarys they've spent pretty badly. I mean, you know, the Dom Solanke, 21 million, like that's that one's going to sting for a while, I'd imagine. Um, probably not as much as 15 million for Jordan I, who you're going to let go on a free this summer, but you know, it all stings for them. Um, yeah, I, look, I, they needed to do something they didn't, but in this case, maybe it's better that they didn't because their track record in January is not good. So I'll go with a D. Um, next up then, we've got Brighton and Hove Albion, who <clears throat> I think were good this this window. I think mm-hmm. making they have the been Aaron, for a while now. Yeah, look, they, they're they're a smart club. They operate well. I, I like I like the manager. I think. I think their long term is looking quite bright because there's a bunch of young players there. They've got Webster and they have uh, White from Leeds to come back off alone. Those two as your long term centre back partnership, that kind of thing, that that pleases me to see. Lucas Trossard started to find a bit of form. Jahan Bakash started to find a bit of form. So those big money attackers they've bought in the last couple of years starting to look like worthwhile purchases. Maybe not value for money, but worthwhile purchases. Keeping Aaron Moy long-term, I think, is a good signing for them. I think he's a good midfielder. For sure. Um, 
I don't think he's a top six caliber player, but certainly any team outside of that, I think he would be a good addition for them. So Brighton have done well. I really like the addition of Tariq Lamptey, the young totally right back. I think this is one of the best signings of the, of, of the window, Kev. Um, I'm surprised that he, he he left Chelsea, but then when you look at his age and you look at who else Chelsea have around the same age at the same position, you can understand it. But when you take Lamptey, you put him with Webster and White now, all of a sudden you've got three quarters of your long-term back line. Um, and that's really important for a club like Brighton who need to be able to plan a couple of years in advance. Um, so, yeah, I think all in all, I'm going to give them a B. Uh, I think maybe they could have done with adding one more in attack, just somebody who might get on the end of goals. But the budget probably wasn't there for it. We've seen them swing and miss on strikers. Like I say, Trossard is only starting to look good now. Johan Bikesh only starting to look good now. Uh, Lacadia has never looked good for them. They're all big money signings for Brighton that didn't work out. So maybe their their smart move was to not buy the attacker now and maybe scout a bit more long-term, find someone for the summer to go with Mopay, to go with Connolly. Um, I, yeah, I like what they did. It's a B. Yeah, I've given them a B-, and I don't really have any reasons why it's any worse than yours. Um, they also bring back uh, McAllister from his loan. Um, to, in theory, supplement the attack, but I, I don't know if he's there yet. <laughs> this is just a, a general question for you, though. I th- genuinely think, like, the last four or five windows we've given B- Brighton Bs and up, they're technically worse in the table now than they were last year. When do you mm. think we'll see the turnaround from them? Because they keep buying good players, they keep getting good values, but it just doesn't seem to coalesce yet. <clears throat> so, there's two ways of surviving in the Premier League. There's there's the Roy Hodgson, Tony Pulis, um, Big Sam type of way where you just play really ugly football and you grit and you grind and you're horrible to play against. You don't concede too many goals and you get a lot of draws and you survive by the skin of your teeth every year. And that's kind of what they'd become under Chris Hewton. Um, with Potter, I think the aim is to become more of a Bournemouth. A team and a, like a, like a Brendan Rodgers era Swansea, a team who aims for the kind of the upper part of mid table, a team that wants cup runs, a team that's entertaining to watch, and I think there's something admirable about that. It's a, it's a it's a difficult process though to go from a Chris Hutton team built and molded by Chris Hutton to play Chris Hutton football to going to what Graham Potter wants to do, which is vastly different. Um, so I do think it's going to take them a couple of years, probably, before we see them, you know, kind of in the battle for eighth, ninth, tenth. But I think they're going in the right direction. I think it's it's a brand more of football more suited to the club, more suited to what the fan base wants. And look, all those South Coast teams play nice football. Southampton, uh, Bournemouth, Portsmouth less so, but even under Harry. Good football mm. was it, it's just it's something to do with the area maybe um, geographically based football geographically speaking <laughs> yeah like that that horrible dreck that's more northern football the south they play kind of a nicer brand um, so for me I, I think it'll take a couple of years I just think Potter needs to be given time and continued backing and the other thing as well is I do think he's going to have to start to move on a little bit from some of the old guard. Now, these are still good players, but the likes of Duffy, 
mm. I think is someone they should look to move on in the summer. Bring back in Ben White. You might lose Lewis Dunk because you might get a big offer from him, but if you don't, then you've got Webster, White and Dunk, and you can play all three or two of the three and rotate them. And like I say, move towards that long-term Webster and White partnership because that's the type of partnership that will play the right type of football. Dunk and Duffy, both solid defenders. Dunk's a little bit better of a footballer, but they were bred into that head it and kick it and make sure it's as far away from the goal type of thing under Chris Hewton as possible. That takes a long time to knock the dirt off. Like, look what happened to, to Stoke when managers went there and tried to change things after Pulis. Yeah. The players just weren't conditioned for it. Players who were good enough to play a different way, but it had just been ingrained in them that this is how we play and this is how we're going to play. And, like, I don't rate either of them particularly highly, but I think Mark Hughes is a better manager than Tony Pulis. But look what happened to them under Mark Hughes to change things. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Transitioning between systems can certainly cause negative effects. Uh, somebody who won't ever change their style, it seems, is Burnley, uh, who I've given a C. They've literally signed two players, one senior and one not senior, but both are more than I or Jamie, who is our Burnley friend, expected. Um, Brownhill was an ever-present for Bristol. He started 97% of their matches this season. 0% for Burnley since the switch, which is a little less encouraging. But I honestly think he's better at breaking up play than going forward, but he had managed five goals and two assists in the season before switching over. I think we're already finding that he probably isn't starting over Hendrick or Westwood or Cork. Um, but as cover, great to bring in. Um, those are also their only central midfielders at the whole club, though. Um, and one of them has been playing on the wing this season, so... Bringing in cover for there, a younger player as well, that they could grow into that position and learn that dice style early, I think is probably a really good idea. Is he actually Premier League caliber? Uh, I'm not really sure, but we'll see what he can turn into. He's just 23, so there is obviously plenty of road ahead of him, footballing-wise. Um, so there's a chance he could develop into something more. Uh, it, the, the only kind of downside for me for this window for them significantly is that it just never seemed like Naki Walls was getting a chance, and now he's already back to the championship where I'm sure he'll thrive again. Uh, they did the same with Vidra, who did score at the weekend, so maybe he'll get a run because Chris Wood came off, um, and I know they already have other injuries up front as well, so maybe he will get a chance, but it is weird that Burnley keep trying to bring in, well, it's kind of like the stylistic uh, thing you're talking about, they keep trying to bring in change-of-pace strikers that keep falling out of favor because they don't play the way Dyche wants to play, mm. um, even though they're air quotes, improvements. But anyway, it's a C for me. Uh, they brought in a central midfielder when they only had three at the whole club. It makes sense. He's young, could develop into something more. Uh, and all they really lost was knocky balls. Yeah, I mean, they let Drinkwater's uh, loan lapse. <laughs> True. Um, to, to bring this Which seems like a benefit for you. Yeah, I mean, look, at the worst case scenario, you're getting, you're getting the same thing for less per week. And, you know, that makes smart sense for a club like Burnley who operate in a tight budget. There's a very Burnley profile of player. Um, it's hard for them to sign players who are going to make a difference for them because, as you say, they can bring in different types of strikers. They don't really ever change the style to suit anybody other than what they already have. You know, so Wood and Barnes, that's their type of striker. Two big brutes. Now, they both have a lot about them, but their primary game is that they're big, they're physical, they're good in the air, and they can hold the ball up and bring players in. It's the same in midfield. The likes of Cork, the likes of Westwood, Cousin Jeff, 
these are just box to box grafters. They're neat and tidy on the ball. Um, they're kind of like the poor man's Jordan Henderson. You know, that's he'd be like the high end of what of what Dyche wants. If if Sean Dyche could pick his ideal midfield, it'd probably be Jordan Henderson and Harry Winks. Neat and tidy, yeah. <laughs> nothing too fancy, but will always be fully committed and are consistent players. Will give you six out of ten most weeks, some weeks seven, some weeks five. Um, but that that's what he wants, and that's what he has in Cork and in Westwood. Um, it's difficult for them, you know. Like uh, you'd love to see them bring in uh, another quality wing player um, because you know, Brady's had injury problems and be more of a left back. Yeah, good, good uh, Munson as well. They seem so Munson. stacked out wide like a year and a half ago, and now it's just kind of mm, all gone just to had just so many Dwight injuries. McNeil. And that's it. And like McNeil is a, is a really talented player, um, but because of how he's been used at Burnley, you get the impression that if he went to like a Liverpool or a Spurs, he, he'd have to play left back rather than as a winger because he doesn't really know how to be a winger. He's more of a left midfielder than a left winger, which is what he was coming through. But yeah, I, I give them a C. I don't think they did themselves any harm. I think it's better that they didn't spend money be- that they you know can't really spare on frivolous things because Burnley will be fine this season. Yeah, I don't think they'll be too worried at all. Up next is Chelsea. What were your thoughts on their lack of a window? Well, this is it. It's a complete lack of a window. Um, they sold Michael Hector to Fulham for 5.3 million. I'm not sure how they convinced Fulham to pay that much, but they did. Um, Lamptey for 2.97 million. Like it's 5.31 for Hector, 2.97 for Lamptey, and somebody called Clinton Mola, who, with the greatest respect, I just I don't know. Uh, went to Stuttgart for 360,000. These are very odd figures, Kev, that they're paying for footballers these days. And as I look back at their summer business, uh, it was similar. 2.16 million for Jay Da Silva. Uh, 2.43 million for Deshaun Redden. 3.42 million for Kyle Scott. And 7.83 million for David Luiz. I'm not sure that the 30 grand and the 20 grand really makes a whole lot of difference, but it seems to be the new Chelsea thing. Um, it's weird to me that they didn't sign, I mean, they signed uh, Brian Fiabina, who I assume is going to be a youth player mm-hmm. to go into their, their own 23s. I, I know nothing of him. Um, he's a Norwegian from Tromso. That's what I know. Uh, Cause that's what the internet told me, but I've never seen him play. So they paid 540 grand for him. Look, they're quite good at, at identifying young players, so I'm sure he's 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 very talented. Um, I'm sure they'll develop him, send him on loan four or five times, and then he, they'll sell him for a profit, which is what they tend to do. Uh, but after all their cribbing and crying and the big push to get their transfer ban lifted in January, to then sign nobody else <laughs> is very, very strange to me. Very strange to me. Um, they have needs. They need a centre-back. They absolutely need a left-back. Um, they, I think they're pretty good in, in, in attack. I, th- I like their midfield. Um, they could have used but, a lone striker, but yeah, yeah, they could have. But uh, look, I suppose the fact that they didn't let um, they didn't let Oli Giroud go, I suppose means, and they still have uh, have Michi. I suppose they are still fine up front, as long as Tammy Abrahams keeps scoring goals. I'm not sure that's sustainable his form from the first half of the season but if he if he keeps scoring goals then they'll be 
they'll be absolutely fine. Um, they, look, it's a, it's a D because they spent so long cribbing and crying about their transfer ban, which they deserved. They got it lifted for the January window. They signed nobody. So I have to give them a D, especially when they had needs. Yeah, I've actually given them an F. Although, you make a good point, because one of my big complaints about them was that they didn't bring in a striker when they clearly wanted to get rid of Giroud, and Giroud wanted to leave. But by not bringing in anybody, they didn't have to shift anybody. So as long as they can keep Giroud's head right, um, I guess that that is better than them just always spending money, which I have complained about them doing in the past, of, of getting worse mm. at positions by spending money. So in that way, I suppose... Uh, which they did, they did a couple of years in a row. <laughs> they sure did. Um, they and they're about to do on worse. <laughs> yeah, and Kepa is so much better than Courtois. Um, but, Here, um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing with the striker argument, right? The, yeah. the strikers they were linked with, the likes of Musa Dembele from uh, from Leon. Mm-hmm. Or if briefly, he's coming to your club, um, um, oh my gosh, from Napoli, my mind just blanked. Milik? Oh no, Dries Martins. Yeah, Martins. Yeah. Martins is fine because Martins you can bring in. He's an older player. And you can rotate you can him anywhere with the, in the likes of Pulisic, yeah. And you know him and Willian on either side of, of T- Tammy, with you know a, a younger back line then of a younger backup line then of of Hudson Odoi, maybe Michi and Pulisic. That's fine. You you can justify that. But if you bring in a Musa Dembele who's going to cost you somewhere in the forty to fifty million pound range, he is coming to start. He's not coming over to sit on the bench and be Tammy Abraham's backup. And that would be a massive slap in the face to Tammy Abraham, who is solely responsible for you being in the top four at the moment. Yeah. His goals have gotten you there. So for me, I think it was better for them to wait because if Dembele came in and was put in the team and didn't perform, then you're turning around to Tammy Abraham and going, oh, you remember you scored all those again. goals and then we told you that we wanted someone better. Well, we need you now. So come over here and do that again. So for me, just for, for continuity and for, I think, the spirit of, of Tammy Abraham and others, I think they're probably better off waiting till the summer to sign a striker. Um, but the Dries Mertens one made sense. It, it, it would have been a shame for, for me to see him go there because I've always liked him as a player. And obviously when he goes to Chelsea, I'm automatically obliged to hate him. But um, yeah, I look, they, they, they should have done more, especially after the, the cribbing and crying. So it, it, I'll go with a D just because they didn't buy badly. Yeah, and like I said, I, I had written down an F, but but that makes a lot of sense. So I'll, I'll upgrade them to a D. I'm so fantastically benevolent uh, in that regard. Um, all right, we'll come to Crystal Palace now. Uh, they also get a D from me. Uh, they bought a striker. So good for them. Uh, Jordan Ayew had been decent enough this season, um, but Palace are dead last in goals scored, uh, which is bad. <laughs> so bringing in Tosin, who, you know, I feel like Tosin... Even though he got his chance at Everton, I still feel he was kind of hard done by. I feel like it was the end of maybe two seasons ago, the second half of the season, he actually played really well. And then by the start of the next season, he just wasn't favored anymore. And they like started doing the whole Richarlison up front thing. Because they were like, how do we make two of our better players worse? Um, but um, I just think while they addressed striker, which they needed to, Benteke hasn't scored in multiple years. I use a winger who's playing up front. And doing a decent job, but that's about it. Um, I think they let Wickham go, yeah, to Sheffield Wednesday. And uh, they also had that big Belgian guy that never did anything. Maybe he wasn't Belgian? Anyway, um, 
while they did need a forward, I think creativity is their biggest issue. Like if there's, if you could pinpoint a specific issue that Palace have had this year, it's that Max Meyer and Victor Camarasa weren't as good as they needed to be. Now mm-hmm. Camarasa's already been jettisoned, um, although he also didn't really get loads of a chance. But you have to imagine in training, he would have shown himself worthy of starting. And Max Meyer, we knew this. It's why he wound up at Palace. The question was, could he like rebuild his career there? Thus far, the answer is no. Um, so yeah, just it's a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> correct, because um, I wanted him at Tottenham while he was balling out in Germany, and then obviously it came to nothing. But the reason this is so low isn't the fact that they didn't bring in an attacking midfielder. It isn't that they brought in a striker that I do think is underrated. It's that they missed out on a right back again. Now you could say that missing out on on Nathan Ferguson is bad luck, right? You bring him in for the medical, everything's already signed, something pops up on the medical, he ends up going back to West Brom and getting knee surgery, and now he's going to be out for some time. So, in that regard, it's good that you caught an issue like that, you prevented yourselves from spending lots of money on a player that wasn't going to be available for you anyway. But, how did this happen on deadline day? You've needed a right back since July. How did you have one target and then miss out on it? Like, it is baffling that nothing else was done. Sure, you also miss out on Kyle Walker-Peters, but you demanded for there to be a buy option, which Southampton were willing to forego, which is why he wound up at Southampton. But I'm sure you remember, Dave, like the 2nd of January, they were like, we're getting Kyle Walker-Peters. Like, Hodgson in his press conference talked about it, but they demanded an option to buy. Tottenham aren't willing to do that because, you know, Serge Aurier is the only other right back at the club and we just got rid of Trippier. So that was never going to happen. Then you go in for Nathan Ferguson. You, you barter all January. You finally get it done on deadline day. Deadline day fails the medical. Like that is just so horrendously Look, poorly done. It's so crystal past. Here's the thing. They spent all, mo- all month bartering with West Brom on the price and then agreed to pay the price West Brom asked for at the start in the of the first month. place. <laughs> So just agree to a like Bruno like, Fernandez at Manchester United. Yeah, this is uh, we'll get to that. I'm sure. But like three weeks earlier, you could have agreed to the price that you agreed to three weeks later. You could have had him in for the medical, found out there was an issue with the knee, and then you could have gone right. Look, this is not going to work. You could have said to the player, "Look, go have your knee surgery. You're out of contract in the summer anyway, and we're going to come to you with an offer." So we still want you, but we need somebody for now. And they could have gone back to Spurs and said, right, we'll, we'll take Walker-Peters now with no option to buy because we think we're going to get Ferguson for free in the summer. Walker-Peters will bridge that gap yeah. and we'll be fine. They could have gone to Southampton and said, oh, we hear you might be in for Kyle Walker-Peters. We'll take Cedric. Yeah. We'll take him on loan. Because we know his contract's up in the summer and we don't have to buy him, so we'll take him now because, again, we're getting Ferguson in the summer. Um, to me, it just it stinks of, it stinks of Hodgson. Um, you know, we've, ta- we've talked before about the likes of Meyer and, and creative players are not allowed to flourish under the Hodge, um, with the exception of, of, of Zaha, who doesn't flourish under him by any means, but is, is bigger than Hodgson at the club. And if Hodgson tried to take on Zaha... Hodgson would find himself out of work very, very quickly. Mm. Now, the other issue, of course, is that they they needed goals. Um, I, I like you. I'm not as as you know low on on Sanchezan as, as others are. I think there's a player there. I think his goal record in the past shows that. And I think as part of a two, 
he can work very, very well. The problem mm. for, for him now is that Hodgson won't play two strikers uh, because that's far too attacking. So I, I don't know that he'll work all that well for Palace. You had you had Jared Bone, and it looked like you were the face yeah. to get him. And you dillied, and you dallied, and you, you, you messed around, and all of a sudden, he's going to one of your rivals. And I don't just mean geographical rivals. I mean rivals Table. to stay in yeah. the Premier League. So that's a double blow. So for me, it's an F for Crystal Palace because the way they handled the window, the way they conducted themselves in each and every one of their deals was just so poor. And Dougie Friedman, like, it it still to this day baffles me that they allowed him back to the club after he walked away and left them in the lurch when he was manager. To bring him back as director of football, the chap clearly is out of his depth, doesn't know what he's doing. He needs to go... I think Hodgson should go. There needs to be a purge at Crystal Palace. Um, you probably should sell Zaha and just build again from the ground up because, dear, oh dear, when I look at that squad, it's a car crash. Yeah, it's it's not looking good at the moment. <laughs> Although, the upside for them is they've priced Zaha out of a move for so long, I doubt anybody will ever pay it. So maybe he'll just wind up there forever. Um, but yeah, I gave them a D, but you make some really good points, especially on missing out on Bowen, who I will complain about when we get to West Ham, but uh, we will leave that there for now. Now is one of your two favorite moments of the show. You get to talk yeah. about Everton. They make one air quotes senior deal for Jared Branthwaite, but what else did you make of their window? Um, <laughs> look, I've said this before. I'll continue to say it. Everton's biggest problem is they need a better goalkeeper. Um, the, the, the British journalists can try and make out that Pickford is, is a top-class keeper all they want, but he's just not. <laughs> they loaned he's out their lot. other one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jonas Lossel, yeah. This, this, but like, this guy, is just he's a liability for them. He really, really is. Um, so that that's an issue. They didn't address that. I didn't expect them to. I think in defence, they're fine. They've got Sidibe and Coleman. They've got Dinya and Baines. Um, they've got... Uh, Mina, Keane, and Holgate. So, in defence, I think they're okay. I think they just need to find the right group, and I think that's going to be fine. They they desperately needed somebody in midfield who can put a bit of life into their midfield. I mean, when you look at like I know he's out injured, but Gomez like he doesn't really move a lot. Sigurdsson doesn't really move a lot. Fabian Delph doesn't really move a lot anymore. Like hurt, so he can't move anywhere. And Bamman has been hurt all season. So I think they needed someone in midfield who could be a real driving force for them and someone who could go and win the ball back. Like when the op- this is I'm gonna break some news here. When the opposition have the ball, you're allowed to go and take it off them. You don't have <laughs> to go and retreat to the edge of your own penalty area and hope they miss. You can just go and take it off them. Um so I think they needed someone to do a bit of that. Um, there's still far too much Theo Walcott featuring in the attack. Far too much Theo. Far, far too much Theo. Um, so they needed something. But again, like they screwed themselves in the summer by letting Luckman go. That's a deal that hasn't worked out for anybody because he's not featuring for for Leipzig. They, they literally they should... like burned his future. <laughs> yeah, he, he's an idiot. He should have stayed where he was. I think he will be playing now. Um, they have, look, they... They could do it more goals, but I do think Moise Keane will come good. I just think he's that talented that he will come good. 
I, I really like Richarlison. I think they did well to hold on to him because rumours that there was big bids in for him. But they needed a goalkeeper and they needed somebody in midfield. And instead, they bought a young centre back who they've put into their under twenty threes and we'll probably never never hear of again. Uh, so it's it's a D for the Ev. It would be an F if they bought badly again because that's what they do. They tend to buy badly or they or like with Villa. And maybe that this is where Villa got this where they buy like four of the same player. Remember when they bought. <laughs> Guilty, Four central attacking uh, midfielders in the Vlasic, same window. Rooney, uh, and David Klassen. Yep. So, yeah, and then they bring in Andre Gomes, who's, who's also an attacking midfielder who can't run. Um, so, yeah, good good profiling, lads. But, yeah, they, they needed to do something, but it would be worse if they'd bought badly. Uh, it's always worse if you buy badly. It's better to do nothing than buy badly. Um, both of our clubs have experienced that in recent <laughs> years. Um, for good and bad, we've we've bought. It was good for you have. and bad for us. <laughs> yeah, no, well, think of it. You got to a Champions League final without buying anybody. True. Um, you, you still finished fourth without buying anybody, so it, it it wasn't bad. Think back to when you spent spent big money in the past on bad players, mm. and we've done the same. Like the summer of Lalana and Lovren, we would have been better if we'd done nothing. You just kept and us money. with the Beldini seven, only Lamella yeah. of whom remains. <laughs> exactly, you know, and like look, that wasn't a bad group of players. It just it didn't work out. Ours was a bad group of players. Um, so <laughs> it's, a, it's a D for the Ev, and uh, I'm I'm really interested to see what they do in the summer. Yeah, I've, I've given them a C. I'm just a little bit more lenient on them. Um, I didn't expect them to do much. Yes, they're in eighth, but they're four points off of the, the race for what is now top five, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't think I expected them to do much, and then they didn't. Uh, agree that they've done a lot of bad business in the past and it's kind of left them in a weird position but I, I don't blame this window on that but yeah I give him a C you give him a D um, and we move on to Lester who I've given a B to uh, they also didn't do much they bring in a center back on deadline day and Ryan Bennett uh, who probably <laughs> won't play much for Lester but with Benkovic not stepping up the way that we expected, we had talked a lot in the past about how he was on loan with Rodgers and then comes back to a senior club with him. Kind of thought he would take that step forward. Did not. Uh, so they make a depth move. They bring in Bennett to cover that spot, allow Benkovic to go on loan to Bristol where he'll get a, li- a, a lot more playing time, hopefully some more experience. Um, so with letting Benkovic go with him not developing, they got pretty thin at center back there for a moment. Obviously, Wes Morgan is the wrong set of, what, 50 at this point? Um, so you bring in Bennett just to cover that, which is your biggest hole in the squad. Uh, currently in the top three, just one point off Manchester City, though City do have a game in hand on them there. Whether or not uh, they have that many points come the end of the year, time will tell. Although, as I mentioned on the special with Manchester uh, with Richard about Manchester City, I'm not sure the Premier League has recourse for points deduction on financial rulings. Because UEFA kind of took that at an umbrella way. But mm. we either will or won't address that later. But City already in a fantastic position. I think they'll trail off a little bit towards the end of the year. But, you know, every Premier League club spent a whole year thinking that would happen. So <laughs> we will see. Obviously, Vardy and Madison as a duo have gone a little bit cold. But they don't really have needs. They have a very young squad. Eventually, you need another striker. Although, I'm sure they've been pleased with what they've seen from Ihe Nacho this season after being mm. super disappointed in everything he's done since arriving. Um, but in theory, they just need a striker. They have young players at literally every other position except goalkeeper. Uh, so, no need to go out there and buy. 
you just go out, you get yourself a little center back cover. You have depth at every position and young players starting and at depth at every position. So go out there, cover your biggest need, keep trudging towards a top four finish. It's a B for me for Leicester. Yeah, I'm the same. I think I think they need a couple of upgrades for the long term. Not not so much upgrades, but succession plans. Like you mentioned the goalkeeper, you mentioned Vardy. They need the successors to them. Um, but it's not an immediate need. I think their biggest need was probably a right winger. Um, like I really like Ndidi, I love Telemans, mm. I like Madison, really like Harvey Barnes. And I'm just not keen on the Aozi Perez on the right yeah. side of that fit. So an out-and-out natural right winger, I think, would have just been a really good addition for them. Um, but it's understandable that they didn't spend that money because the market's quite tight at the moment. Um, I think what they were looking to do was was upgrade on Johnny Evans. I think that yeah. was the original plan at centre-back. And I think that's wise because I think Evans, as your third centre-back, is very, very good. Um, and then Benkovic long-term as your fourth, that's fine as well because he, he's he's got a good upside. Like you say, he hadn't taken the step up. Rodgers is not one to really develop defenders anyway. So he'll go to Bristol. He'll get more burn there. And he he should come back a better player. Bennett is a nothing signing, really, because he's not going to play. He's he's not very good. He's just a warm body because that's what they needed. They clearly wanted uh, Mary Demerel from Juventus, um, the Turkish center, to bring him in. Yeah, he got hurt. And then he he tore his ACL. That that put that out. But it might be something they'll relook at in, in the summer window. Um, because I'm sure the partnership probably of him and Seonchu yeah. probably will, probably will. And the partnership of him and Seonchu is something they can really, really sink their teeth into and, and build around. I think the big thing for them was they held on to everybody. I think they're in for an absolutely titanic struggle in the summer. Um, like, realistically, I think, I, I think Pereira will see offers. I think mm-hmm. Chilwell will see a lot of offers. Sionchu definitely will, and Didi will, yeah. Tielemans will, Madison will. I think even Harvey Barnes. I, like I say, I love Harvey Barnes. I'd yeah. love to have him at Liverpool. I think a lot of those players are going to attract big offers in the summer. It'll be interesting to see if they can hold on to them. They've managed to tie most of them. I think Bar Madison down to long-term deals. And it will be harder to pr- pry them out if they get a Champions League spot. Of course, but Madison's probably the easiest one to replace as well because you can just shift Harvey Barnes into that inside role and then maybe you go and you buy someone like a Todd Cantwell from from Norwich to play in that left-sided role. So I think I think they'll be fine. I, I think they'll make top four um, quite comfortably. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a B for me just because they didn't do anything stupid. Yeah, just quickly because we are trying to, to condense this into just one show since not as much mm. happened as in the past. But if you're Damari Gray... Do you look for a move because you're not starting? Or, like you mentioned, because so many players could be on the move, do you stay put and assume that you'll have a spot next year? I think I look for a move. Look yeah. for a move because if I'm not starting now and haven't been in the past, you know, and, I, and I'm looking at Harvey Barnes, who's overtaken me, I've seen them bring in um, Iosi Perez and play him out of position to overtake me. I probably do have to think maybe I need to go down mm. a step to come back. It could be up. Ibe's so replacement. <laughs> he could. He could. He, look, he, he'd be a decent fit there um, at Bournemouth. There, will, there would be clubs. Uh, Brighton, I'm sure, would have interest in him. They could do it a pacey wide player. Yeah. He just um, has to be disappointed with what his journey has been. Of course. Because his, his potential was so high and he just hasn't really gotten the minutes. Admittedly, he hasn't taken his chances when he's been on the pitch. But... 
But see, that's the other problem, is he just hasn't performed at a consistent enough level. Very, very similar to the guy who, when he was coming through at, Bourne, at, at Birmingham, he was compared to, which is Nathan Redmond. Yeah. A clearly talented but frustratingly inconsistent player. Yep. We've said very nice things about Redmond in the past, but uh, yeah, just hasn't turned into the player he wanted. All right, we'll wrap up this half. Again, we'll see if it ends up being two shows or not, but assuming it's one, we'll wind up this half with Liverpool. You steal Minamino from all of Europe, mm. who thought he cost more and would cost less in the summer. You dive in there early. That's about all you do. Don't really know much about Joe Hardy, admittedly. But what did you make of Liverpool's window? Don't know a whole lot about Joe Hardy either, if I'm being honest. Um, I really like the Minamino signing. I think he's he's the one player that we played against in the Champions League this season who really, really struck me as someone that was just a good fit for us. Um, the early signs have been promising. I know he hasn't kind of blown the doors off and maybe been a standout for everybody, but that's not the type of player he is. Uh, he's just someone that comes in and knits things together and he's a complimentary player. So I, I think I think to get him at that price is absolutely fantastic business. Um, he will... If even if he's a flop, we'll sell him in eighteen months for triple that price. So I'm very, very happy with it. I really would have liked us to get a left back. I think we really, really desperately need left back cover for Andy Robertson. The one I want is Jamal Lewis um at Norwich, but they probably weren't willing to let him go in the January window. So hopefully we'll go for him in the summer. We were um we were linked to oh, what's his name? He actually ended up at Norwich, uh, Sam McCallum. We were linked strongly to him from Coventry. He would have made sense for us, but Coventry make or Norwich makes sense for him. He'll get he'll probably get more instant game time there if they if they do lose Lewis. Um, so overall, I'd, I'd give us a B. I think um, I think it's a it's a solid window given where we are. Like we we had the title wrapped up turning the year. Um, it's even more so now. We're going well in the Champions League. We're still in the FA Cup. I don't think we needed to do a whole, a whole lot. We needed, you know, one in attack and we needed a left back. We got the one in attack, so I'll give us a B. Yeah, I've gone for a B as well. It, it was almost an NA for me just because you're just trudging towards a Premier League title. So, like, there, there's not really... Literally, you could have done nothing business-wise that would have affected that, which just makes it a really weird window um, to have. I, I In my fandom... I can't remember a time where the winner was so clear this early. Um, I'm sure somebody out there has a, a number on that for me. But <clears throat> So for me, it's a B or an NA. Um, just like I said, getting Minamino, just you, your backroom staff knowing the contract situation better than everybody else um, deserves praise, obviously. Mm. Um, yes, there We are also there... made $3.2 million on, on Alan, who had never played a senior game for <laughs> us and never was going to because he couldn't get a work permit. We bought him for, I think, 400 grand about, it seems like about 10 years ago, but it's probably mm. like more like six. Yeah. Um, he's been on loan constantly, and we've managed to make good money off him. Mm. So uh, for the season, our current transfer balance sheet sits at uh, 31 million in profit, <laughs> which is fairly staggering given where we sit in the Premier League. And you've lost no one of importance, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, also should be noted... Um, the loans for both uh, Herbie Kane and Rian Brewster, both fantastic. Brewster in particular mm. has, has really been shining at Swansea early, um, kind of following a trend for Liverpool only uh, that, that do the business down in the championship. All right, we will take a break now and then be back to talk about Manchester City in the second half of the Premier League. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, well, we hope you enjoyed that ad. Now on to Manchester City, who I will take. I've given them an F, which may seem harsh, considering that, like we just mentioned with Liverpool, they're already out of the title race. Uh, but they're still in every competition. They haven't strengthened at all, admittedly, though. But they're a strong team with talent littered all over the pitch. They were waiting for injured players to come back in Laporte and Sané, uh, and now they are. Um, so I'm not really sure what would have been expected if they had gone out and bought. Now, time will tell how many open transfer windows they have, although that wasn't any of the punishments uh, handed over by UEFA, which of course was the two-year UEFA ban and the 30 million euro fine. But I don't really know what they would have done. I mean, if you maybe go buy a left back... Because the weird thing about the Cancelo swap um, was that, uh, oh my gosh, his name is escaping me now. At right back. Danilo. Danilo, yeah. Is that he could at least deputize on the left. Um, so that was a benefit. Now you bring in Cancelo, who isn't starting over Walker ever, which is weird because Walker has started his, his career dip where he got away with everything because he was fast and now he's less fast. But mm. you've lost that cover at left back where now Benjamin Mendy is perennially hurt you have um Zinchenko who's now suspended because of the red card against Tottenham and is also a midfielder and is also a central midfielder correct um so I guess you improve at left back if you can but if that chance isn't there in the in the winter window maybe it's fine but it's just I don't really know what they're doing they seem to just be counting on the return of Sané and Laporte so maybe maybe an NA is more appropriate than an F, to be fair. F, F does feel harsh, but you, you bring in Angelino, which was a great deal at the time, had been doing really well in the Netherlands. He comes in, he doesn't settle quickly. Um, now you've already let him go back out. I just I just don't know what the plan is here. You've, you've left yourself with nothing at left back. Your center backs have all been poor this season, bar Laporte, who gets himself an NA just for not playing. But Odomendi has regressed massively. Stones just never actually developed. It's it's just things aren't going well there at the moment. And that's on the pitch. That's before all of this news. And, and we'll see if anybody ends up leaving the club because of the Champions League ban. But bringing in nobody, letting Patrick Roberts and Nemecha both go. Angelino, you brought in to cover yourself at left back then wasn't good enough and, you, and you've let him go back out already. It's it's a weird one for me. It feels like they should have spent way more money to cover themselves, but also what would it have accomplished? I don't know. I mean, 
this is their last year in the Champions League, barring the success of any appeal for the next three years. So maybe throw some money at that just to try to yeah. dartboard it. But yeah, it's just weird. I, I honestly feel uncomfortable giving them a grade because it's just it's just very strange to me. But my, but my emotional feeling is that they've left themselves short. I don't even have a good option. Who was an elite level left back to sign in January? I don't have a name, but it, it just in theory you got to do something. You have to do something. I mean, they badly needed a centre-back as well. Laporta is one centre-back. You need a second one to go with him. Um, as you say, Otamendi is, is, is past his best and regressing. Um, Stones never took the leap that was expected of him. That's not all his fault. Um, Pep is never going to improve someone as a defender. He'll improve someone as a footballer. And he did improve Stones as a footballer. He just didn't improve him as a defender, and he came to to City as a fairly poor defender. Um, they needed a centre-back to go with Laporta, especially considering he's been out all season. It's a bit much to ask him to come back in and immediately fix your defence all by himself with no partner and no left-back. Um, I, I don't really know who they could have got at left-back at this juncture, but, I mean, they could have they could have at least tried, and that's the thing that strikes me. They didn't seem to try the same thing with the centre-back thing. Look, the, maybe you could have gone and got Jimenez from Atletico Madrid. Um, maybe there's, there's, there's got to be guys out there you could have tried for. That's the thing. You've, you've, it's one thing to not buy. It's another thing to not try. It, it seemed to me, like, they have to have known this was coming. They have to have known they were going to get punished by UEFA. So if there's a possibility of a Champions League ban for next season then surely you go all in to win the Champions League this season. And they haven't done it. Now, I can't see that Guardiola will stay there if they're banned for two years. If they're banned for one year, it's possible... That's what I assume as well. It sounds like you as well. Yeah, I think it'll get get reduced to one year on on appeal. But that would mean him having to extend his contract and stay a sixth season, which he's never done anywhere before. Um... Next season will already make him the city the longest club he's ever been at. So, I mean, he could stay next season, dominate England, and then the following year go balls out into the Champions League. But are you really going to be in the market for the top, top players this summer if you're banned from the Champions League next year? I don't think you are. I, I just don't think you are. And like Leroy Sané, yeah, he's coming back. Yeah, he's great. He's not going to be fit for a long time. Like, I mean, fully fit, match fit, at his best. And he wants to leave. So... What's the benefit? What's the benefit of having him? You might as well have sold him in January. Um, it just it strikes me as a little bit arrogant that they didn't do anything. I get that the title race is over, but this was your season to go all in for the Champions League, and they haven't done it. And I think, like you, it, my my immediate thought was an F, but it's probably it's probably an NA because they it's just so strange that they did nothing. All right, we'll go from that, which is just bemusement, to a period of mourning. For the EPL roundtable on the whole, for myself, Kevin DeVries, as well as Dave Hendrick, Mm. Bruno Fernandez to Manchester United. They tried for two windows, finally got it done right at the death. But this is a player that could have improved basically any Premier League side, and just no one ever finalized their interest except Manchester United. The worst part of this, Kev, um, is that he that's the club that's the worst fit for him in terms of how they play. They don't Um, even use traditional tens. No, exactly. And the problem is, if, if, you, if you want Paul Pogba to play and you want Bruno to play, then they both want to play the same role. In the so same space, yeah. 
in, exactly. So you're you're not going to get the best out of either of them because you're going to have to shift one of them. He's a fantastic player. He really, really is. He was perfect for us. He, he's the one. He would have been the very final piece in the puzzle for us. He would have been the one that vaulted us from a great team to an all-time team, I think. I think if we get him, we not only walk the Premier League, I think we go out and batter everybody in the Champions League and potentially win the FA Cup as well and go down as the the greatest team English football has ever seen. Treble winners, unbeaten, and over 100 points. I think it was all on the table for us. It, it still is, but I think he would have really catapulted us over the, over the top on this. Um, the funny thing about him going to United is they tried all last summer to get him and he kept turning them down um, because he wanted to join a Champions League club. He's now joined them. I assume they've offered him an absolute boatload of money, but they're not going to be Champions League next year either. So it's a waste for him. It's a great signing for them, but it doesn't make sense in how they play, what they what they do or what they needed. Um, I mean, look, under a different manager, you, they've got the bones of a really good 4-3-3. If you go with a three-man midfield of Bruno, a holding midfielder, and Fred, I think that can be really, really good as long as that holding midfielder is really good. If they got Wilfred and Didi, for example, that would be a really good midfield. Mm. I think Greenwood, Martial and Rashford, that could be a really good attack. Um, but to do that, you need attacking fullbacks. Now, I really like the kid Williams. I think he's really, really good. I think he's going to be a great player for them. But you've got a right back who you paid £50 million for who's absolutely hopeless once he crosses the halfway line. Now, maybe the answer is that Juan Bissaka belongs at centre-back. Maybe you shift him inside next to Maguire, which would also solve another one of the problems is that they need some pace and someone who can cover in the middle next to Maguire. Juan Bissaka might fit that, but now you need another right-back. So, all in all, uh, look, they also signed a Gallo, and, I mean, this to me is just the strangest signing I've ever seen. Um, this guy is not prime quality. It's so weird. And they tried to sign every other striker you could ever name. Like, if you've heard of a striker, chances are Man United tried to sign him this summer. Gabriel Batistuta might have been on the list this summer hmm. because they were looking at all sorts. It seemed like they had a copy of Football Manager 2012 and they were trying to pick players <laughs> who were big talents on it. Um, so, Igalo is just... I mean, it's a, it's a nothing signing. He, he's, he's been like, well, I've got these, these months now to impress and earn the move full-time. And Solskjaer is like... Well, for the few months he's going to be with us, he'll do a job. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just clear that he did, they didn't really want him. They just needed a warm body. That's what they got. The Bruno signing alone, you know, I would give them an A for. But because of the comedy surrounding everything else, their pursuit of a striker, the fact that their captain turned down a new contract and then left, um, regardless of who that player is. I mean, I'm not no big fan of Young, but the fact that he was the club captain and he just walks out in January. That's weird to me. So it, it's a C overall. I just think it's it's an awful mess there. They've got a lot of work to do, and it, it's not going to change until the manager changes and they really put in place a system and a structure for how the club operates, and then they can worry about what the team is doing on the pitch. Yeah, it definitely is an odd one um, from them. I've given them a B-. minus. I know that they were tracking Bishop for a really long time and got him. They were looking for a striker and technically got one. Um, and then obviously Fernandez is a brilliant signing. 
uh, in theory, but how he'll fit in at that club is still kind of question mark for me. But much like Everton, I'm a little bit uh, nicer to Manchester United than you. I have no idea why that would be. But <laughs> we will roll in next to Newcastle, who are, were like a deal short of getting the best grade for me of the window. But they get an A. I think this is a terrific window from Newcastle. During the first half of the season, you could argue they needed more help up front and or creatively. But of late, Joel Anton, St. Maximin, and Almiron have all started to find their form at the same time. So most of those concerns, I think you can kind of push to the side. Um, like many other clubs, also been dealing with injuries. You lose Jetro Willems, who was, uh, forgive the Americanism, bawling this season. Um, he was fantastic. They had chased him for a long time. Injuries, other deals kind of prevented it. He'd finally come. Then he picks up a really horrible knee injury on what looked like a really innocuous challenge. Um, so now all of a sudden, you've been fantastic at left back all season. You lose your best option. Should we play Matt Ritchie again there this year like they did last year under Rafa? No, you go out and you sign Danny Rose, who previously has been the best left back in the Premier League. Just two years ago, that was the case. <laughs> Obviously not so much anymore. Struggle for game time. His continual media leaks... Uh, I think arced just way too long at Tottenham, and uh, I did see a report that he'll never be back at uh, Tottenham's training ground. That would not surprise me. I know he became a very controversial figure very quickly, but on the pitch, if he can get back healthy um, as a replacement option for Jetro Willems, I honestly hope that they buy Jetro Willems long-term because that that was such a perfect fit. But if they end up having to go with Rose because Willems has long-term knee injury and they don't want to trust it in the summer, regardless... End of the season, great deal. You haven't bought him. It's just a loan. I think fantastic signing. Other side of the pitch, you're struggling at right back. Are you disappointed in Yedlin's development? Uh, probably shouldn't be. He was always going to be what he's wound up being. But then you bring in Lazaro, who has done very well, is apparently playing very well against Arsenal right now as we record. Uh, but I'm unfortunately not watching that one. But he fixes your issue at right back almost immediately, going both ways. In central midfield, you already have the long staffs. You already have Isaac Hayden. It's already kind of a position of strength, but how about Nabil Bentaleb, who was playing fantastically at Chalka, had his own club-related issues, so they let him walk. Then you bring him in to bolster that central midfield. In theory, the upside of his is higher than any of those other central midfielders they have. Where is he at right now? It doesn't matter. It's alone. He's behind those players on the air quotes depth chart. <laughs> Give him some minutes, see how it works out. They're just loading up with talent. At three of their, you know, well, I guess central midfielder wasn't a position of need, but they've loaded up on talent at two dire positions of need, right back and left back. You've added Bentaleb to a midfield mix where he could shine out as the gem there long term. <laughs> no disrespect to the Longstaffs, both of whom I like. Um, but I just think this is a fantastic window. There's no financial commitment to any of these players other, outside of their wages. You get to see how they fit into the team. Is there going to be new ownership? You bring in the new ownership. See if they want to invest in them long-term or not. If not, you go out and you buy higher-profile players. If there's no buyout, you still have option to buy in all of these deals. So then you activate all of those, and now they are Newcastle players. <clears throat> Both the players they brought in and the way they brought them in I thought was absolutely brilliant. It's an A for me. Yeah, I really like the window for them. Um, look, Ben Taleb is a very, very talented player. The question marks over him are nothing to do with his ability as a football player. I, I hope this this move works for him. Um, I hope it works for Newcastle. Like you say, he's he's. I think he walks in. He's day one their best midfield player. Um, Lazaro, very very talented. The move to Inter just didn't work for him for 
a variety of reasons. Stylistically new, yeah, they were just yeah, nice. just all things considered, like maybe he's not as hard grafting as as Conte wanted or whatever it was. I don't know, but I think he'll be good for Newcastle. Danny Rose, I'm less high on, but look, he fills a need. They had a desperate need at left back. Danny in Rose January. can fill that. In January, yeah, exactly. So Danny Rose can fill that. He can play as a wing back or as a left back. If they want to play wing backs, like you say, Lazaro can play there. If they want to play with full backs, they bought Emil Kraft last summer. He's right mm. back. They could put him in. So that's fine. It gives them flexibility. As you say, uh, the, the attack has sort of began to figure itself out and it's looking a lot better. Um, I, I'd give them an A for sure. Yeah, very impressive. Also, it should be noted on the Danny Rose thing, he has always wanted to move back north. I'm not saying it yeah. makes him better. I'm just saying it's something he's wanted for a long time. Maybe that comfortability could help him. Um, next, we'll move to Norwich. Had a tidy little window. What did you make of it? This is the window that frustrated me greatly. Um, Duda is okay. Rupp is okay. I think McCallum's a good one for the future. I don't know much about City that they brought in. But they needed more. This goes back to their summer window, Kev, where they just didn't do enough. And I think they've left themselves short again. Look, there's a lot of good players at that club. There's a lot of players I really like and I think will will stay in the Premier League. But I just think they could have done more. So for me, it's a C, trending towards a D, because I think they basically sealed their own faith. Yeah, this one was a weird one for me. I don't know if you remember our Huddersfield review last January. <laughs> or maybe in the summer even. It may have been both. Um, the question is, what was their objective? Because if their objective was staying up in the Premier League, it's an F. Almost unmitigatedly. Because you didn't bring in players that will give you a chance of staying up. But if your idea was, the season hasn't gone that well. You know, we're in 20th. We're six points adrift. Wait, no, seven points adrift. Six points off 19th. Um, bring in players that can kind of stabilize, get them bedded in now, take another crack at it in the championship next season. I mean, I don't think anybody expected Norse to struggle this heavily. I actually thought they would do relatively well coming up um, because they didn't buy loads of random players. Norwich were what I thought Fulham were going to be. Until they bought like a whole new squad and then it didn't work out at all. I was like, okay, Norwich are largely rewarding the players that were there. <laughs> didn't really work out. If if the idea of this is let's just kind of stabilize, not splurge too much money, and just kind of buoy in between the top of the championship and the bottom of the Premier League, this window makes a lot more sense in that context. But if the goal was staying up this season, they did not bring in anybody that can make enough impact to keep them up. I've given them a C. Maybe it's an N.A., it's a, it's a, which direction are you trying to go? But I agree. If they were trying to stay up, this is an F. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, they set themselves up nicely when, for when they go down. Yeah, exactly. Um, next up, Sheffield United. I mentioned Newcastle were a deal short of getting the highest grade of the window. They did not make that deal. Sheffield United did. They bring in Sander Berger or Burge. It's hilarious. If you watch him talking to uh, Sky on deadline day, they asked him how to say it. And he was like, eh, basically, the English media are going to get it wrong anyway. So Burge is fine. <laughs> um, but anyway, if it was just him, this would be an A. Easy. In the summer, he would have gone to United or Tottenham for like mm. 50 million pounds. That's no exaggeration. But much like you guys with Minamino, everybody was waiting for the summer. Sheffield United were like, no, we're going to go get him now. 
Um, and so they get their man, which is incredible for me. Uh, also, uh, they've developed this really interesting trend. We talked before with Aston Villa in Belgium. It seems Sheffield United's thing is just dartboard throws. You get your big signing in Berga. You bring in Retzos as well, loan to buy, which is a fantastic well, deal as well. So, 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 so good. But then also, how about these for dart throws? Ricardo Zivkovic and Jack Rodwell. Both of them had potential at one time. Cost them almost nothing. It's just like when they brought in Ravel Morrison in the summer. Didn't turn out to be anything. They loan him out to Middlesbrough, fine. But if they just keep taking, like you mentioned before, they just keep taking these weird football manager dartboard signings. In theory, one of them is going to work out. So, yeah, you bring in Retzos, you bring in Berga, both of whom immediately improve your starting 11. Well, arguably, as long as Lundstrom isn't the one that's missing out because of it. Uh, bless up all my uh, FPL players. <laughs> but um, just the two of them is, is so, so good. I, I have no idea why Retzos was even available. Like we were talking before, injuries. With, yeah, purely but, down to injuries. But for for nothing, <laughs> like for loan yeah. to buy, I, I'm just shocked that he was even available. And I think that's what I love about Sheffield United's transfer policy is they're like other clubs tend to see who's available and then pick from that group. It seems like Sheffield United are like, we like that guy. Well, is he? Can we have him? And then clubs are like, well, we thought he was going to go for way more in the summer, but eh, sure, why not? So anyway, I just think it's absolutely brilliant what they've done here. Um, Berga obviously can play in the middle of the pitch. He can play as the base of the midfield. He could also play in a two and a double pivot in theory. Um, you bring in Retzos who can play, you know, most defensive positions. Um, probably prefer him wide, but just it's it's absurd what Sheffield United have done here. Like, And now that fifth is a Champions League spot, which we did not know during the window, yeah. just they have set themselves up brilliantly here. They really, really have. It is an A-plus for me as well. Like you say, Zivkovic, there's no risk there. Uh, Rodwell, absolutely no risk. It, you know, Worst-case scenario, they move him on in a year for a, a small profit. Uh, Retzos, he's hugely, hugely talented. Um, a couple of years ago, I, I said that he was one of the three or four best young centre-backs I'd seen around Europe. I, he hasn't developed because of the injuries, but the potential is still there if they can keep him fit. And I think he's perfectly suited to a back three. Yes, if he plays yes, on the yes. right of that back three, I think he's going to be outstanding for them. Because it's a great blend of his ball. mobility and his ability to defend. Mm. Yeah, it's great. That's exactly it. He's he's tremendous. And and Berg, Berg is this, this, this signing of the summer, a signing of the window, I think. Bargain price, um, come in under the radar. I think this is, a, it's an A+. Plus. Um, I know they tried to get Che Adams on loan from from Southampton, former player of theirs. If they'd gotten him in as well, I think that would have been incredible. So I think he fits we would have needed a new grading scale. Exactly. No, this is a great window for them. It's an A plus from me. Yeah, just absolutely absurd. Like the audacity of that window is just <laughs> ridiculous. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, next up then is Southampton. They didn't do a whole lot. Um, they brought in Kyle Walker-Peters on loan while uh, letting Cedric go on loan. They bought it, brought in Jacob Maddox on loan from Chelsea. I, have to say, I haven't seen a whole lot of Maddox, so I don't know much about him. I don't think he's one that's going to start. Um, I thought the decisions to let Sorez and Yoshida go on loan um, when both have contracts expiring in the summer was, was interesting. Um, it's unusual to, for a club to do that, but it's a decision they made. Surprisingly, they didn't they didn't buy anybody. 
but I'm going to give them a B anyway because I think it's good that they didn't buy anybody because I think they've what they've done here at Southampton in the last three months or so is they've really turned things around and they've got themselves going in the right direction. They've made themselves a better team and I think it's important that they continue to work with the players that they have there to figure out who they can keep long-term, figure out who's a piece that you want to keep long-term. Is Musa Jenepo a player you want to build around because he's got the talent, does he have the application? Does he fit how you want to play? Um, the same with Che Adams. They could have let him go on loan. They decided to keep him and see what they can work with. I really like the midfield pairing that they've come with, with, with Hoiberg and with Ward-Prowse. So, again, not breaking that up, not bringing anyone else in. They could have done with a centre-back. I think that's the one big flaw for the moment. Yeah. Bednarak I like, but I don't really like any of the rest of them. Especially Vestergaard, I can't abide watching him football. <laughs> um, but I think it's I think it's a good move to just stand pat for this window, figure out what you have. You're pretty much safe now. I don't see them getting dragged back into it. I think it's wise for them to give Ralph the opportunity to really look at this squad in depth, in focus, with no pressure, and figure out who he wants to keep and what changes he's going to make in the summer. Uh, so for me, it's a B. Yeah, that's exactly what I've given them as well. It, it really feels like, especially with Yoshida and Cedric going, like they've begun their process of what the next Southampton will be instead of you know trying to hold on to what was in the past, which led to a lot of relegation fights. Um, so I do think it's interesting that they're kind of moving on there. I don't know if there's an option to buy for Maddox, but as I mentioned earlier in Crystal Palace, Walker-Peters does not have an option to buy. So it really was just a way to move on from Cedric in a clean way. Um which I think is is really smart for them as well. Uh, yeah, they could have brought in a center back, but you know, I, I don't hate Vidnark nearly as much as you. I actually thought he would do far worse in the Premier League than he's done thus far, so I'll give them a bit of a pass there. But yeah, it's a B for me as well. Now, <laughs> on to what will, I'm sure, take the majority of the remainder of our time. Tottenham Hotspur. So, just as a spoiler, I've given them a B-. Which may seem odd, considering the kind of talent that's been brought in, some of the players that have been let go. I'll give you a hint. It's basically the entire U21 team. But there's been a mixed reaction to this window from Tottenham fans, which is very understandable. Let's start negative (laughs) and then wind up positive. The main question, of course, is why is there not a new striker? In the summer, you let Lorente walk on a free. You sell Janssen. Still has potential, has been scoring goals in Mexico. You can argue about the, the difference in the quality of the league, saying that Jansen has scored, you know, 98% of his goals in the Netherlands and Mexico. <laughs> Doesn't automatically mean you're a great player. But you leave Kane as the only recognized striker. The idea was, as we've talked in the past, you bring in a winger, you let Sun play up front when Kane's out, but that's a short-term solution. That is not a long-term solution. But Kane had never had long-term injuries. He'd had these short-term injuries, one month to three months, somewhere in there, usually his ankle. <laughs> but then something happens. He pulls up lame with a hamstring. I think it was against Southampton. Out till April is the early report. Mourinho says May. The media says he might miss the Euros. This is now a long-term injury. <laughs> so the only upside to any of this is it happens in the first week of January. You have a whole month. To find a replacement. Good news is, AC Milan always want to get rid of any up-and-coming strikers that have been good for them in the past. So, they want to get rid of Piatek. 
We dive in early. Talks that the, the personal terms are already agreed. <clears throat> Nobody wants him on a permanent. Except three days before the end of the window, Jürgen Klinsmann, who will definitely be at Hertha Berlin long time, wants to sign him on a permanent. The only permanent option that AC Milan get. So they sell him to, to Hertha Berlin. Of course, Klinsmann is already gone, both as manager and as a board member of the club. Uh, so we miss out on him for that. So then you wind up heading to deadline day, still no formal striker. The only options, Willie and Jose, who's going to cost 30 million euros, even though his buyout clause is 50 million, which should tell you how good he is as a player. <laughs> like He's definitely not worth that release clause. He's also not worth the 30 million. The other option is hope that your opponents for the race for the top four strengthen. Chelsea, geographic rival, table rival. Tottenham fans were hoping that Chelsea would become a better team. Hoping for Drias Mertens to wind up there. Hoping for them to become better than Tottenham so that we could get the dregs of their striker situation in Olivier Giroud. That doesn't happen either. So then the window closes. Nobody wants to spend $30 million on William Jose, except Barcelona is still interested, which is hilarious. You can't get Giroud in, who hasn't started a football match in about 17 years. So now there's no striker. Still in three competitions through the end of the season. Two, two. Well, if you count the race for top four. Still in the FA Cup. Still in the Champions League. Still in with a shout for Champions League, especially if City's ban is upheld. But no formal striker. Now, Kane has beaten every deadline, uh, injury deadline before, so that has to be the hope. But regardless, it is inexcusable for a team like Tottenham, who have fought so hard to be considered one of the big boys, to be part of the air quotes big six. You buy this huge new stadium. You bring in Jose Mourinho as your manager when the Pochettino thing doesn't work out, and then you have literally no senior striker. I realize people are like, oh, it's okay. You throw Troy Parrott in there. He's 17 years old. He will be very good. I have no doubts about this. But to pin your hopes on one of Lucas or Son being good enough and then Troy Parrott being the backup at 17 years old for two plus months is not good enough. So those are the negatives. That's why it's a B minus because everything else was freaking brilliant. <laughs> so first, you sign LaCelso long term. Now, Dave, as you'll recall, when we did our kind of halfway review, we were like, LaCelso is the weird man out. We have an obligation to buy if we make Champions League, option to buy if we don't, but will he fit Jose's system? Well, turns out his versatility is just absurd. We already knew that he could play basically any central position from an actual striker to a secondary striker to an attacking midfielder to a central midfielder to a holding midfielder, which he played as at PSG. Well, all he's done is basically be our best player in, ever since the turn of the year. He has been absolutely fantastic for us. Quickly won his job. Quickly went over the manager with his tenacity, his ability to pass, his ability to drive from deep, his ability to break up passes. He's, he's everything that we needed. And he has been so good that my hope is that it has bypassed our need for a traditional holding midfielder. <laughs> Obviously, the Berga deal hurt me. That, that's a player I wanted for a long time. It wasn't a good window for players that I liked, with Fernandez going to United and Berger going to Sheffield United. But with his ability to tackle, if Ndombele gets fit, if the two of them are a double pivot, and one of them is breaking a play, and one of them is driving forward, and you just alternate, and you kind of put defenses on the weak foot because they aren't really sure who to mark, I actually think that could work out really well. Obviously, Ndombele health pending. But we were able to sign Lo Celso for 10 million euro fewer 
by signing him in January instead of waiting till the summer to see what happened, which is a great thing because I don't think any longer we can be confident that we're going to make a Champions League space. We might, but we can't expect it. So you make sure that that deal goes through permanently. He's in through 2025, an incredible talent, a weird one, mm. and entirely has the capability of being played wrong and then his potential dropping a bit because we've seen that before with versatile players where if you don't kind of focus them in a spot, they're just kind of being jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of situation. But bringing him in on a permanent, fantastic, fantastic business for the club. Next up, Steven Bergfein. This is a player Tottenham has chased for two years, never pulled the trigger on it. We kept thinking our other options were okay. Maybe Lamella will be healthy for us full season. We laughed to ourselves. <laughs> but then you finally go out and get him. He was a potch target through and through. Wanted a player that could play either wing so that we could rotate. It happened today against Villa again. Played left, played center, played right. That's the versatility that he brings. For sure, can pass, can score. Um, better from the left, but can absolutely deputize on the right. Just becomes more of a crosser instead of more of a shooting uh, option there. But I, I thought this was absolutely great business. He's been fantastic in his two matches for us thus far. Obviously scored in his debut against Manchester City. Um, not as uh, two-footed of late. Um, I know I had said on the show before that he was naturally two-footed. Still not sure that's not the case, but uh, having looked back at more of those PSV matches, he favors favors one of those feet pretty heavily. But um, bringing him in solves so many issues in this side because you bring him in on the left, that means Sun can play up front because it had to be Lucas up front because we had nobody on the left. So you move Sun up front, now it's Bergvin on the left, Lucas on the right. That's a lot of pace, a lot of damage on the counterattack for Jose Mourinho's side that likes to play that way. Sessegnon wasn't playing well at left wing. There was a lot of debate. Which will he be? Left winger? Left wing back? For us, thus far, it's not left winger. He's way too hesitant to take on players, way too hesitant to send in a cross. So bringing in Bergvine means that Sun can move up front, Bergvine can play left, and Sessegnon can get pushed back to be the deputy for Ben Davis, which also means you can let Danny Rose go, who's been causing issues in the locker room, hasn't been impressing, um, in the matches against Liverpool, he got burned a lot, which shouldn't particularly be of a surprise. You've been doing that to teams all season. But seriously, the signing of Bergvine allowed for three other squad moves. And I think that aside from the fact that he's a fantastic player, and I think he'll do very well for us, just the fact that you can make one signing that has that much of a cascading effect, where all of a sudden you improve at striker because Son is way better at playing up front than Lucas. You get to push Sessegnon back to a position he's more familiar with, remove him from the pressure a little bit by moving him to left wing back instead of being a left winger, and allows you to move on from Rose, who's been causing issues on the side. Somehow that Bergvine deal just wound up being the perfect, perfect signing. It's just a little ironic that it happened post-Potch when it was a player he wanted for so long. Then you bring in Jetson on an 18-month loan. It's a little weird, I'll admit. Why wasn't that spot a defensive midfielder? Why was it a box-to-box midfielder? Who knows? Also, the buyout for it is 50 million pounds. He will never be that good at Tottenham. He will never get the minutes to show he's that good. He'll never get... Yeah, there's no way that he winds up being a 50 million pound player at Tottenham. Will he wind up being that player eventually? Maybe. I think it's weird that he's come to us for for this like crucial development period after losing out on a spot in Portugal. <laughs> but very talented Potential upside, former, again, wunderkind a la football manager. Maybe it works out. Again, doubt it ends up being worth $50 million. And Then the other big thing, you let Christian Eriksen go. You actually get money for him. Basically, 
The departure of Ericsson paid for the incoming of Bergvine. They even wear the same kit number to make that math easy for people. Um, he had to go. He was going to walk on a free, but his performances were so poor. I've seen people try to like heroize him for continuing to play instead of throwing the toys out of the pram like Modric and Bale did. But Modric and Bale both kept playing too, so I'm really not sure where that's coming from. But goodbye, Ericsson. Go to Premier League East <laughs> which is what Inter Milan have quickly become. Um, but as I mentioned with Southampton, and this will wrap this up very nicely, moving on Rose, moving on Ericsson is the beginning of the shift in tides at Tottenham, signing Toby long-term but not Jan. It's becoming very clear who's going to be around for the Mourinho years and who isn't. Mm. Um, but on the whole, it's a B- minus for me. Fantastic uh, signings brought in. The dart throw on Jedson is fine. It's weird that it's 18 months. It's weird that it's 15 million. But Bergvine fantastic signing signing was also until 2025 also fantastic but yeah anyway i'll ramble forever but it's a b minus for me this is where we're going to disagree kev i think this is an a window um i think to get money for christian erickson when he could have just sat out till the summer and picked his club i think that's really good um to also get him out of the dressing room where i don't care that he'd been playing it was clear he was one of the problem causers in that dressing room. For whatever reason, he didn't want to be at the club anymore. So you move him on, that's fine. You move Danny Rose on, again, a problem maker, a player past his best, a guy who was eating up a chunk of your wage bill, you move him on, and that's fine. They're, they're good outgoing signings. You sign LaCelso, who I, I we both rate very, very highly, um, for less than previously agreed fee that's always good business always good business um i'll do jedson next i I really like this signing i think it's a strange one but i really like this signing and i know what you what you're saying why wasn't it a defensive midfielder a ball winner this guy could be that he's been used like that in the past he has the energy he has the, the build and the frame he has the awareness he needs a proper coach he hasn't had that at benfica he ha- he's been let down at Benfica. Now, part of it's his own fault. He did have a dip in form, but this guy he has... He had a dip in all... form right at a managerial change, which is like the worst thing. Exactly. But this guy has all the talent and all the physical gifts. I genuinely think he could be developed into that sitting midfielder who sits behind Endembele and Lacelso and just sweeps behind them does the dirty work, feeds them, and lets them go and play, lets Deli Ali go and play. I think he's a really clever signing. 18 months, there's no obligation to buy. It's risk-free. If it works, you've got an absolute belter of a player there. If it doesn't, you thank him for his service, you send him home. There's no risk involved. For me, that's always a, a, a big plus. I, I like him as a player. I, I liked him more probably even six months ago, but I, I really like the signing. And Bergvine is, is a great buy. I get what you're saying. You did need a striker. But getting Bergvine gets you a striker because, as you said, you can now move Sun central. I think Sun is your best player. When everybody's fit and at their best, I think he's the best player on your books. He is the one player from your club that I would pay any amount of money to have come to Liverpool. I think he's so good. He's so versatile. He's such a team player. He will sacrifice everything for the good of the team. You can use him as an out-and-out nine. You can play him as a false nine if you want to get your wide players more and Bergwijn, get them in tight to him. Let him drop out and create space. 
I just think he offers everything you want in the modern striker. He's, I think if we had him, I think he'd actually take Bobby Firmino's position in our team. I think mm. he's that good. Um, and I, you know how much I love Firmino, but I think Son is that good. Um, I think this is a fantastic window. I think you could have done a little bit more in terms of getting a right back because Aurier isn't really a Mourinho type of player. I mean, like, there's games you watch him play and you're like, this guy is unbelievable. And then you watch him the next week and you're like, this guy's terrible. (laughs) But at the same time, you can watch him play and in one half he can be unbelievable and in the second half he's terrible. He can be great for 10 minutes and then terrible for 10 minutes. That's the problem with him. That's That's why he was allowed to leave PSG. I think in the summer you do have to go and address the right back spot. I've heard a lot of people say that Max Ahrens is the number one target yep. for for Spurs in the summer. Makes a lot of sense. You mentioned Ryan Sessegnon. I have been saying for years this kid is not a left winger. This kid is a left back. In the He's championship, the he was skilled and fast enough to beat people, but in the Premier League, exactly. But the thing is, in the championship, he still played most of his games as a left back. He still played most of his minutes from left back. The problem with him is he's not the best defensively, but he's, what is he, 18, 19? Loads of time to work and develop that. This is another case where, I don't know if you remember, when Roberto Carlos kind of exploded onto the scene and went to Inter Milan, he was a left back. And people said, oh, imagine how good he'd be as a left winger if you played him left wing and gave him all that freedom. Mm. And he got used as a left winger, and it did not work. Because what made him so special was been able to time his runs, to overlap, to spot the gaps, to burst into. He gets more of that from left back. Sessegnon is also a player who's very, very quick over 20 yards. But over five yards, yeah. he's not the quickest. So being able to overlap, being able to build his speed up on a longer sprint will help him. He's also a hell of a crosser. I love the idea of him as your long-term left-back. If you get Aaron's right-back, now both of them will need an awful lot of work defensively, but if you buy the right centre-back this summer, I think you're going to need to buy a goalkeeper as well. I think you're done then. I think Mm. there's obviously other tweaks and things you can do, but look, this season, you might not make Champions League. You, You might, you might no, we don't know yet. The, the City thing obviously opens up a door that wasn't previously there. But you're still only a point off Spur, off uh, Chelsea. So you could have snuck in. But with the with City out, I think you've got a really good chance now. Now, Endembele's season has basically been a wash. You've seen flash of brilliance. Mm-hmm. But it's a wasted season for him in many ways because he hasn't shown his, his best ability. The same goes for Lo We've seen it in bursts, and of recent weeks, he's been more consistent, he's been better. But going into next season, and this is a cliche, I know, but both of them are like having two new 50 to 60 million pound additions into your midfield. Jedson could be the same. No, not 50 to 60 million, but he could be like having a 25, 30 million player brought into your midfield. I'd imagine Jack Clark plays for Spurs next year. He's a very talented young winger who wasted part of his season at Leeds. I think he's now got a QPR on loan. I think he's part of the future as well. You will still probably need one or two more, but you definitely will need a centre-back, a right-back, and a goalkeeper. A dominant goalkeeper, a dominant centre-back, and an attack-minded right-back. I think Son been able to be the cane backup is definitely the way to go. I don't like... Piatek would have been a good signing. Absolutely. Very good player. Similar enough stylistically to Kane in terms of what he does in the box. Doesn't have Kane's kind of 
deeper game where Kane can drop out and act mm. almost like a like a ten. Yeah, and, but and in the, the ball, play not as very good, similar. But... Not as good, but he's not as big. True. Kane is a hefty boy. <laughs> he's a big lad. Like, if Kane didn't score as many goals, people would say maybe he needs to lose a little bit of weight. Mm. Like he's a bit chunky and he's got an enormous arse. So <laughs> look, Piatek's a good player, but I think you're better off spending the twenty seven million or whatever it was on a player like Bergwijn and been able market. to then use Son in different roles. Yeah. So I think this is an A window. I think you could have done more, but I think for what what you had available, for the options that there were there, for a manager still trying to figure out who he wants and doesn't want and what how he wants to use players, I think it's a really good window. I think come summer we'll have much more of an idea of what, what Spurs will look like. Um, like, I'm... I still think that their best option is, is to go to a diamond midfield, and mm. I, you know, potentially you go with Lacelso at the deepest role. Then you put Endembele and Jetson as box to box, Delhi as a ten behind Kane and Son, and then you have the likes of Bergwin and Mora to, and Lamella to come in off the bench and and offer different things and give you you know different types of threats. Mm. Uh, Winks then as obviously another option to come in for midfield. I think that is really really strong. Defensively, there's work to be done, but I do think it's an A, and I think it, it does set Spurs up really nicely to go into into the summer window, um, where mm. Jose will have more time to plan. And of course, you may well have a very highly regarded director of football at that point, <laughs> which would be an enormous help. That is certainly the hope. All right, I could respond and talk about Tottenham forever, but again, we're trying to get this in in one show, so we will move quickly on to Watford. What did you make of their window? Um, right. I, they they knew they had Joe Pedro coming in. They spent big money on him. I, I don't think they knew they'd be in the position they're in. So maybe there's a little bit of buyer's remorse because, you know, I'm not sure they can afford to hang on to players like that in the championship. But he goes with Ishmael Assar as a really highly regarded young player that they can develop and sell for big profit. Um, in terms of what they did, they brought in Miles Roberts for their under-23s from Reading. Um, they brought in Paceto from Udinese. This is one of those strange sweetheart deals among the Pozzo family. Um, that How do they really do make. this every year? I, I don't know. And they've been told not to do it anymore, and they say they don't, but they do. From what I've seen, I don't think he's an £8 million footballer. Um, it's an odd deal for me. And, like... I, can't, <clears throat> I don't know how many of these we've done, Trev, or Kev. Uh, sorry, how many of these we've done, Kev? I, I, I've lost count. We've done a lot of these for a number of years. And every single time we've talked about Watford, the one thing we've said they need is a central <laughs> defender. They just refuse. And again, they desperately require a central defender. And they didn't get one. In fact, they let one leave. Again. <laughs> You know, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand. Like, I really didn't like the Pearson appointment. I know they had a little bit of a bounce when he took over. But uh, if you're re- relying on Nigel Pearson, you're you're going the wrong way. They had their bounce. They're now falling apart again. They've got United next away. Then they've got us. Then they've got a London derby against Palace. I don't see them winning any of those games. That would be seven without a win. Um, for me... I hate to say it, but I think I think 
they will be one of the clubs to go down. I think Norwich are gone. I think we mm. can write Norwich off at this point. But I think Watford will be will be the next one to go. And then after that, it's one from West Ham, Villa, Bournemouth, and whoever else is down there. Um, I just think Watford should have done a lot more. So for me, because they needed to buy, they needed a centre-back. I think they needed somebody up front. I think they needed a striker. Now, I know they've got Joe Pedro coming in. Yet. Are you really relying on a 19-year-old <laughs> straight in from Brazil? I don't think so. They tried to move on from Troy Deeney a number of times. If you've tried and Troy Deeney is still starting, then you've failed. Mm. Um, so for me, it's an F. I just, It's just an F for me. Yeah, I, I've given them a D- minus because they got some potential in. Pusetto and Pedro both obviously have plenty of potential, but is that the game you should be playing while you're 19th in the Premier League? No. Pro- probably not. Um, moving on to West Ham, I actually think they had a pretty decent window. Uh, Suchek, I actually think, is the better of their signings. I'm bringing in Randolph as a backup goalkeeper when the other backup goalkeepers they've brought in have been worse than people from the stands. Um, I, I think was pretty pretty well inspired. But Suchek is good now and will be good in future, um, bringing him in from Slavia Prague. Um, the weird one to me is Jared Bowen. Because why? As Obviously you want to bring in talented players, but if you're going to play him out wide, then you're giving up on some of the really talented wide players you bought of late. Some of them have been injured, some of them haven't lived up to the hype. Um, are you playing him centrally and giving up on Manuel Lanzini? You aren't playing him up front instead of Haller. You aren't playing him further back instead of Suchek, who you just signed, or Fornals. I, I'm just very confused as to why West Ham were interested other than just bringing a player. Also, I don't know if my opinion of a player has ever dipped so significantly than when Bowen chose to go to West Ham instead of waiting to see what Crystal Palace were going to come back with. We totally agree. Palace needed to have way more initiative in this transfer window. But you could have gone and been the creative solution for Crystal Palace day one, and instead you've gone to a club for slightly more wages for a question mark role at mm-hmm. West Ham, who are lower in the table. Like, I, I genuinely think less of him as a player because he made that choice. And it has very little to do with it being West Ham. Does it have nothing to do with it? Probably not. I have my own biases. But that is one of the dumber things I've seen a player do of late. Um, I think... I think... I, I really like both of these signings under a different manager. Mm. If you had a progressive manager who was going to play like a 4-3-3, then I think a 4-3-3 of Fornals... Rice and Suchek as a midfield. I think you've got everything you need there. You've got creativity. You've got a defensive presence. You've got box to box. You've got energy. You've got quality. I think that's a really good midfield three. I think a front three of Bowen, Haller, and Felipe Anderson, where the wide two are tucked in, again, I think it's mm. really good. I think you've got goals, creativity, pace, hold up play, link up play. All of that works for me. That as a front six, I'm I'm all in on that. I'm very happy with that if I'm West Ham. However, you mentioned Lanzini. He doesn't fit in that. Now, whether you whether he's worth changing for, I don't know. 
I think he's too inconsistent. I, for me, if I was there, he'd be just a backup to Felipe Anderson for me. And Yarmolenko, who I don't think has recovered well from the heel, the Achilles injury, he'd be a backup to Bowen. And then you've got Mikel Antonio, who can be a backup to Haller. And I'm fine with that. Um, you've got Mark Noble, who they insist on playing, despite the fact that he's basically a corpse at this point. Um, he'd be a fine backup. They've got a couple of others. The insistence that Snodgrass remains in the team is bizarre to me. Um, the bigger problem is what's behind all that. You've basically got Issa Diop and 50 feet of crap. And then you've got the West Ham defenders. They're all garbage, are Diop. Mm. Every one of them. Their right backs are terrible. Their left backs are terrible. There's guys there who just can't defend. Musaka cannot. Yeah. He might be good going forward. I don't care. He is the worst defensive left back I think I've ever seen. Um, for me, they needed to buy a centre back. Like, they bring in Darren Randolph, and I like Randolph. He's a solid goalkeeper, but he's a, a he's a backup goalkeeper. Lucas Fabianski is a backup goalkeeper. He's not a starting goalkeeper <laughs> at this level, not at this point in his career. They have loads of goalkeepers now over the age of thirty. Where's the long term plan? So for me. Problem one is Moyes. Problem two is the defence and the goalkeeper. And problem three is that the signings they made don't ideally fit into how they play and Moyes won't play out. Which is always their issue. West Ham sign talented players all the time and they never work. Mm. They need, need, like, Moyes, a terrible decision. A terrible decision. Um, And if if I was a West Ham fan, I'd I'd be pretty upset that he was... Uh, looking like he might be there for a while. So um, I, I, I give them a B for the players they signed, but they didn't address their biggest issues, which for me is more important. So I'm going to drop it. And, and like I said, the, the fit is just weird. As you said as well with Bowen, the fit is just weird. Um, so I'm going to drop it down to a C-. minus. Gotcha. All right, well, then we will wrap up with Wolves. They bring in Podence, who absolutely terrorized us in the Champions League while he was playing for Olympiacos. What did you make of the window? Yeah, Podence, is, he's a talented player. Um, it's, it's a low-risk, potentially high-reward player. He comes into a nice group of attackers that they've got there. Really like the signing of Luke Matheson from Rochdale for a million quid. I think he's a massive talent. Um don't know much about the kid they brought in from uh, from Dion uh, Loidis. Don't know much about him. I think he's come in for the under-23s. Um, look, the issue with them is always going to be that I don't rate any of their centre-backs. The best centre-back they have is Den Donker. Well, they play in midfield. <laughs> uh, um, but, he, but he's been playing centre-back more often this season. You've played him. You've played Roman Seiss. Both of them are midfielders. They're two of your primary centre-backs for the majority of the season so far. Connor Cody's just not a good defender. Um, it's part of why they have to play a three. Also, Doherty's the same. Not a good defender, but good going forward. Cody's decent on the ball, um, and he seems to be a good captain. But for me, they just need to address um, address that defence in the summer. I think they've got too much talent to allow it to go to waste by playing garbage at the back. Um, so for me, it's a C. Um, it would Well, no, probably a B, actually, because like you say, Podens and Matheson... Um, yeah, you'll, I'll go with B. Yeah, I'm going with a B as well. I, I agree, kind of like with uh, some of the clubs we mentioned earlier. They, they could have done more, but what they did wasn't mm. bad. 
Um, so yeah, B, B, B minus territory there for me. All right. Well, we did it in one show, Dave. We did it. Uh, <laughs> obviously, an absolute pleasure having you on as always, folks at home. We hope you enjoy listening to these long as all hell transfer shows. Uh, hopefully in the summer, we'll have more to talk about. And of course, we'll come back with a end of season review. But Dave, in the interim, tell the folks where they can find you. Um, yeah, Anfield Index, AnfieldIndex.com, Anfield Index Pro. I'm not on Twitter anymore. As I said, I threw the toys after a bogey suspension. Um, but you'll find me on Discord. If you're on Discord, Dave Hendrick, I'm in the Anfield Index group on there fairly regularly. Um, so, yeah, check that out. And uh, if I can plug one thing, mm. uh, a friend of mine, Trev Downey, has a really good podcast series called The Great Stories. Um, you'll find it on Spotify and on, on iTunes. It's just the great stories with Trav Downey where he basically reads a short story, a great short story from history, and then him and, and Neil Poole discuss it. It's really interesting, and it's a nice, it's a nice break from the football. Nice. Well, I'll we'll be sure to check that out, and hopefully our listeners will as well. Dave, thanks again. An absolute pleasure chatting football with you as always, and I guess we'll talk uh, come the end of the season. Absolutely. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.